to the Word today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much already for what you've already done. Lord, you've put a new season on our hearts to talk about. Lord, I pray that as I deliver the message you've given me today, that I felt like you you really put on my heart. The Lord, that that continues to be the case from beginning to end, that you speak through me, that it be your words, and that your spirit deals with each and every one of us, me included, that we continue to be changed from the inside out, and that your spirit works on us as your word is preached, that it becomes revelation knowledge to us and not just head knowledge. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory, and receive it all by faith. If you agree with that, just shout out, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to turn to Matthew 28, but uh, we're not going to put on the screens or anything yet because I want to kind of set up um, our new season. You know, if you are new here, you might not know how we do things, and we continue to have new people each and every week, which is amazing, and I give God all the, the glory for it. We do a thing uh, called seasons. So a lot of churches do series, and it might seem kind of similar to that, but we call it a season. Everybody say, it's a season, not a series. And we do that because we feel like it gives us a little bit more flexibility if, if we're in the mode of a season if we go off course a little bit. I mean, you know, sometimes during the summer months, you might get a cold spell, right? Or, or during the winter months, all of a sudden it warms up a little bit. It gets a little warmer. And so sometimes we do that, you know. We really try to be uh, at every one of our services just like we were. We got a good example of that today, to be led by the Spirit, you know. I planned on coming up, uh, letting her do the offering, and then doing that Holy Spirit song after the offering. But the, the Holy Spirit was moving. He was working on people. People were receiving. People were being touched. And so the same way we did that today, even in our messages and in our sermons, as I'm preaching, I, I really uh, work and strive to be led by the Spirit of God. So we are going in the direction of this new season called Tell Someone. Just turn to your neighbor and say, Tell Someone. So you can obviously tell what that's about. That we're talking about spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, spreading the gospel and uh, that might seem like something, you know, well, we already know how to do that. But I want to come from a couple different angles. I want to talk about some stuff that I don't think we always talk about, to be honest with you. I, I have some things on my heart that when, when we, because uh, as a church, we all, as a group of churches, we all do this. So all of our churches throughout the state are, are on the same season, but each pastor delivers their, the message for the day. And so um, as I was preparing this week, when I originally, when we said we were going to do this, I thought... I. Anybody ever have one direction you think you're going? You kind of know, and then all of a sudden, as you get closer, the Lord just steers you, and you end up in a different direction, and that's kind of what happened to me today. I tell you, I'm like, um, I, I'm like, uh, I'm one of those guys, when I really, really like something, I'm going to tell you. Like, if I really like a new restaurant, I'm going to tell you. Now, I'm not vocal about what I don't like. I don't run other places down. I'm not like that. But if I like something, I'm going to tell you. If there's a new restaurant in town, I'm probably, it's going to come up in my sermon. I'm probably going to tell you. I mean, I just, I'm just that kind of way. You know, I, I like, if there's a good movie, I'm going to tell you, man, you need to go see such as, I'm just, I like to, to spread the good news, if you will, if there's something I find that really blesses me. You know, like when, when I find a good deal somewhere, you know, you find a good, a good uh, deal. Like a lot of people will, will tell you about the different, um, um, you know, those personal pizza places like, like uh, Blaze Pizza or Mod Pizza. And I, we've had several, I won't call them arguments, but debates around the church here about which one's better. 
and people have different opinions. But I tell you, I really like Blaze Pizza. Blaze Pizza is my go-to. I see people shaking their heads already. Well, some people are saying no, and some people are saying yes. But okay, we got somebody in the middle here. But I, I, I like Blaze. You, you know why I like Blaze? Can I tell you why I like Blaze? I like, now, first of all, the concept, which all of them do this, but I like that I could personalize it. I like that when I go, if I'm feeling like, you know what? I want a little bit of sausage today. I can add that. Kind of the same way if, you, if you're at home making your own pizza. I like that. I also like the, the fact that uh, it's very fast, very quick. So the concept, but all of them do that. What makes Blaze better to me is, is the way that their ingredients and stuff all just mesh together. I don't know. It just feels like it just fits together. I'm more of a meat lovers kind of guy. And I, usually every one of these places that I go, I get the meat lovers. But when I go to Blaze and I get their meat lovers, it's anointed. It's blessed by God. I'm just telling you, there's some, there's some fire in it. I don't know. It's just really, really good. Amen? And, and now, I could talk about, like, about that. I could talk about Blaze Pizza because I've had it. I continue to have it. And it continues to make a difference in my life. And it's so good to me, I want you to know about it. It's so good. It means so much to me. I know this sounds silly because I'm talking about personal pizzas right now. But it means so, I mean, if you're going to get a pizza, there's nothing wrong with, I like Marco's, I like Pizza Hut, I like Domino's, they're all fine. But there's just something about when that, when they're at Blaze Pizza and they call your name out and you go over there and you get your pizza. Because I made it. I went down the line and I put my ingredients on it. I like that. It, it, it is, it's good. You know, there's a difference between being a billboard and a salesman. You can be a billboard. You can put up Blaze Pizza on a billboard. But be honest, would it do any justice to what I just did? Some of you in here have never been to Blaze Pizza, and you're thinking, we just Google that real quick and see where that's at. We might be going there for lunch. Why? Why are you doing that? You could have driven here this morning, passed a billboard on the interstate, and seen Blaze Pizza, fresh ingredients. I think LeBron, I don't know if he still is, LeBron James is like a, a co-owner. He could have him on the billboard. Hey, look, Blaze Pizza. You can drive right by it and never want Blaze Pizza. But when someone gets up and says, hey, have you tried Blaze Pizza? Let me tell you, man. Let me tell you how they do it. Let me tell you how good it is. And they have deals, too. They have an app. John, know they have an app. And you can sign up. You can get rewards. You get points. They call them flames. And you get the flames. And if you get so many, then you get free. See, I'm telling you, I'm going to have everybody, the whole church, family worship center is going to be at Blaze Pizza after this. Now, that's way better than being a billboard. Nothing wrong with a billboard. Grateful for billboards. And that helps, you know, brand awareness and all that stuff. But being a salesman is much better. And Blaze is really grateful for me because I'm a free salesman. Amen. They're not even paying me. Are you there in Matthew 28? Look at this. The Bible says in Matthew 28, 18 and 19. And Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. I want you guys to just say that with me. Everybody in here, if you're online watching with us today, just say it with us out loud. It won't hurt you. Your boss will be all right for just a minute while you, you know, if you're at work or whatever. Everybody say this loud. Say, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now I'll finish reading it. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is a command from Jesus. You know what's really interesting about Jesus and how he operated at the very beginning of his ministry. 
he went and he found men. He found men to be uh, disciples. And he began to exemplify this uh, a decree that he was later going to give to his disciples, go and make disciples. But he said, before I even tell you to make disciples, I'm going to disciple you. And if you notice, the first thing Jesus did is he called fishermen and he said, if you follow me, I'll make you. Everybody say, when we say fishers of men. So the first thing that he tells his disciples is I'm going to make you a discipler. Then at the end of his uh, earthly life, uh, uh, before he's ascended, before he goes on to heaven, he says, go and make disciples. I think it's pretty clear that Jesus cared about winning the lost. I think he cared about soul winning. You know, we have a lot of different terms for, for evangelism. We can call it that. We can call it evangelism, but not everybody knows what that means. You might say soul winning. That's like a kind of old school term. Soul winning. Winning a soul. Where you go and you tell somebody uh, uh, about Jesus. And there's a, 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 a several myths, I think, about evangelism that I want to cover. I don't know how many we'll get through today. I have three written down. I actually have more than that, but I have three in my notes today. And uh, we'll just follow the Holy Spirit as we kick off this season. But I want to cover some of these myths. You know, I, I think sometimes the best way to understand something is to understand what it's not. I do that a lot with my kids. I, I'll teach them, you know, hey, uh, or they'll ask. Kaylee's, Kaylee's our inquisitive one. She's the oldest. She's six years old. And she's very inquisitive. Madison would just kind of stare at you. She's our five-year-old. You tell her something and she just kind of stares back. And then later she does it and you're like, okay, she got it. But Kaylee, she wants to know, she's very inquisitive. So a lot of times she'll ask, you know, like, daddy, why do we do this? Or why do we do that? Or why do we, you know, and, and some of the times it's easier for me, I think as a parent, you may be different, but I'll explain to them what it isn't to explain what it is. Amen. So I'll, I'll kind of say something like, you know, um, just say, well, well, what, what is, um, because we've been talking about and, and, and looking into buying, uh, buying a home and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, so she's been real inquisitive because it's like if you go and look at a house, she's ready to move in. Well, and we have to explain to her. Well, and I can say, well, you have to, uh, you have to put in a, a, a bid. You have to put in a, um, a, a, an asking price. You have to ask them. You, know, you have to go through this whole process. And there's no way a six-year-old would understand that. And so a lot of times I'll say, well, do you know how sometimes when you're sharing with your sisters, your sister and your brother, your siblings, and I'll say, you know how you're, and you ask them for it. And so I, I'll say, you ask them now, if they said no, right, and I can explain it that way. And I can say, I had the same way that you share with your sisters and you ask them for something. That's what we're doing. We're asking this person for their home. We're asking them for the home and they're going to come back and say, well, if you want this home, here's what you're going to have to do. And we go back and forth. Well, instead of explaining that on the high level, I can explain it on the basic level. I want to try to explain some myths today for evangelism. Things that you probably have thought, said, or you may even be living by today that I want to debunk. Y'all remember that show, Mythbusters? We're on Mythbusters today, Evangelism Edition, okay? Mythbusters Evangelism Edition. The first one, I want, I want to just go ahead and kind of, kind of hit some of us because I've been here, all right? So I'm going to just go ahead and possibly, admittedly, step on some toes. Now, this is a big myth that a lot of Christians, I would even say the vast majority of the modern Western Christian world believes this myth. Someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. Someone else 
will win the lost. I just need to worry about me. And there's some good things here that I'm about to say that, that don't take them out of context. But you know the whole statement, well, just stay in your lane, bro. Just stay in your lane. Now, in a, in a sense, that's good when you're talking about one thing. When you're talking about, you know, my, uh, minding your own business and not gossiping about somebody else or not overstepping your bounds at work, yes, that's good to stay in your own lane. But when you're talking about salvation, I need you to understand it, and God needs you to understand how important it is that you cannot rely on someone else to do it. Maybe that will happen. If you really want someone to, to, to get saved, then yes, maybe someone else will. I've even encouraged people, some of you in this room, I've encouraged you that there may be people in your life you've tried to witness to, and you tried to reach out to them, and you tried to minister to them. You tried to, to be an example. You tried to, 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 to tell them about Jesus, and it feels like the relationship's actually deteriorating. Maybe it's a family member or somebody close, and it feels like the relationship is deteriorating as you do that. I'll encourage you. Pray for someone else to come in their life. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you have to also be, I think, never forget that if that person never comes, that I still have to be able to lay my head down at night and know that I did everything I could do to share Jesus with them. That I did everything I could do to tell someone about Jesus. That I did everything I could do to not just be a billboard, but to be a salesman. To not just be a, look at me, I'm a Christian, billboard. That's a billboard. Look at me. Let me just take a little selfie with my Bible. Some morning routine, just spending time with Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. I've posted my scriptures and so I, I, I'm, not, I'm really not knocking that. What I'm saying is, is if that's all you do and you're just a billboard and you're never actually going up to someone and saying, hey, I, I, I heard you say this the other day and I just want to tell you, here's how Jesus helped me. And I believe Jesus can help you. Can I share some scripture with you? Can I share? And, you, and, and see, the thing that we think nowadays, and I'm guilty of this, okay? I have thought this. So I'm not trying to come off as holier than thou or that I'm better than anybody. Hear me from my heart today. I've had thoughts of, well, if you do that, you might push them away. Oh, well, I might push them away. If I come in and I just come in real hot with some scriptures and, and I come in real, okay, maybe that's true. But, you know, we, we, we all have brains. We all have, like, very good brains. Madison, our five-year-old, just started kindergarten. And she came home this week with um, a headband that they made in school with a picture of a brain on it. And she said, Daddy, look, this is my brain. Well, it's not really my brain. It's just a drawing of my brain. But it looks like my brain, and she was all excited. God gave us brains. He gave us, and in James, the Bible says that if we ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you. So the thing that I'm trying to balance here is that, yes, I do think you could come in too hot. You could come in, you know, sometimes I wonder those guys on the street corner, you've ever seen them on the street corner, they're just yelling out scriptures, and you could see everybody just, just walking by and turned off, right? And you think, man, what good is that? But then they actually have results. People actually get saved. People actually stop. Maybe not everyone. I don't know. But I know people who have done it and have seen real results of people. And I've, I've been on vacation, walk by some guy like that and think, man, bro, just stop. I've been guilty of it. 
just, I mean, you're, you, you don't even look like you're representing Jesus. Well, these are thoughts I've had on being transparent this morning. And you're just out here just yelling at people. Man, go, go, go get to know them. I don't think that, but yet they have results. But here's what I want to challenge you with. If I'm thinking that and judging how he's doing what he feels called to do, and I myself am not sharing anything with anybody, who's in the wrong here? I'm not saying he's got the best method. I don't know. But I know one thing. Dude's out there telling somebody. Maybe you're telling somebody, is it, with a little Radio Shack speaker and a microphone on the street corner. But are you telling anybody? Are, are you telling anybody? Are you, just, are you just banking on, well, someone else will do it. I mean, someone else will do it. I mean, I'm sure eventually someone else will do it. I'm just going to try to just, just be the light. That's a whole other myth. I'll come back to that one. But I just, you know, someone else, someone else, I'm sure they'll come along and they'll tell them. But have you done it? Have you, have you, you don't know what someone else will do. Have you tried? Have you asked God to help you? If, if all you do, listen to this, if all you do is pray for someone, if all you do is pray for someone's salvation, if you pray like, like, like hey, I pray, Lord, that they get saved. I pray, Lord, that they receive salvation. Let me ask you a question. Do you honestly think that God himself is going to get off the throne, come down, and lead them in the sinner's prayer? Or has he asked us to do that? Is that our job? Is that what Jesus meant when he said, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then after he showed them in every way imaginable how you can be a fisher of men, how you can go out and preach the gospel to masses, and how you can be one-on-one across a dinner table and witness to somebody and lead them into a new direction in their life, and how you can do all that. And then at the end of all of that, say, hey, now go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples for all nations. What did Jesus mean? Did he mean, y'all just pray to me and I'll come back and do it again? Or did he mean it's our job? It's my job. It's your job. It's our job to tell someone. It's our job to tell someone. Now, didn't you lead everyone to Jesus, everyone that you witnessed to? I don't think so. You know, Paul himself said that, uh, and, and I'm quoting scripture here, I don't have it pulled in, so if I'm Misquote a little bit, give me some grace. But he said, basically, there were people in his ministry that he planted the seed and then others watered the seed. In other words, they, 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 they helped continue to preach the gospel and witness to people. And then he mentions another minister. Uh, 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 he basically mentions people. He says Apollos watered and uh, like, like these guys helped, helped him preach the gospel to regions he was trying to get to. And then he said this, he said, God gets the harvest. God gets the harvest. So what am I trying to tell you today? That can, you are not responsible for whether someone accepts Jesus or not. You cannot make a horse drink. All you can do is lead him to the water. You're not responsible for whether or not they get saved. I think that's part of our dilemma in this is that when we think, man, I want to witness to somebody, but we are so scared of rejection. What if they don't do it? What if they don't accept it? What if they reject me? And we're so scared of rejection that we're missing the whole point of why we're here and why Jesus saved us. It's not just so you can have, yes, John 10, 10 is true. He does want you to have life 
and life more abundantly here and eternal life in heaven. That's true, but what are you doing if you never share it? What are we doing if we never tell anybody? What are we doing if we never... See, I want to implore you with some really good news. Ready? Ready? When Jesus was on this earth, he made something crystal clear to us that Paul then explained later. He said that Jesus is the head of the church. Now notice this. Notice this. God said that his, he, he explains all this. He says, hey, uh, my, my church, in other words, the, the body of Christ, the church. I'm not talking about this church, this building. I'm talking about the global church, the capital C church. Okay? He, God says this, that my church, my church is my bride. Right? And so Jesus is coming back for his bride. Okay? And he calls the church his bride. All right? And then he explains, well, how does this work? Jesus is the head of the body, and we are the body. Where my head goes, I go. I've talked about this before. If I go to pick up this iPad, did my head pick it up, or did my hand pick it up? If I, if I go to pick up this offering envelope, did my thumb pick it up, or did all five of my fingers pick it up? We all work together, right? And so when you are thinking about the body of Christ, here's what you have to realize. You're part of the body, you're part of the body, and 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 you're part of the body. We're all part of the body. Like no, no one's excluded from being part of the body. You know, the person that got saved, like, you know, obviously we haven't done altar call right here, but I'm saying somewhere in the world, somebody just got saved right now. That person is just as much a part of the body of Christ as you are who's been saved for 35 years. We're all a part of the body of Christ. We're all a part of his body. Look at these scriptures. Ephesians 5.30. Jesus is the head, the church is the body. Look at this, Ephesians 5.30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Wow, this is the NLT. Look at this. For God is working in you. Point to yourself and say, God is working in me. This is real important. You, you need to, to understand this today, that if, if, if you, when you carry, look, when you go to your workplace, if Jesus wants to reach your workplace, he goes every time you go. Every time you go to your unsaved family member's house, Jesus goes with you. Every time you, you go in that coworker's cubicle and you're trying to, to impart something into them, I'm not saying be best friends with them because you don't want them to influence you, but you have, you have to. You, listen, I don't work where you work. Don't put all the responsibility on me. This is so, like, this is like really good news. Think, think about the honor that we have. The honor, it's such an honor and a privilege to be Jesus Christ's body. To be his hands and feet. What a privilege. What an honor. I, I get to go, we get to go. We get to go out and be his hands and feet. We get to carry on what he exemplified on the earth. When he said, I'll make you fishers of men, that wasn't just for those 
12 and those 70, it wasn't just for them. He was saying, I'm going to make you a discipler so that when I leave and I give you the Holy Spirit, that that power that is endued in you from on high will help you carry the gospel, not just here, but he says, unto Judea, unto Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That that's where we're supposed to go. Think about that. Jesus said, you're supposed to spread the gospel. This is what he told his disciples. Unto Judea, unto Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We right now would be considered the most utter part, uttermost parts of the earth. You know what's really interesting about that? Just a little teaching moment here. Samaria is part of Judea. So when he said go to Judea, he included Samaria in that statement. But then he clarified, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Look at the map. An old, you know, everybody always likes the maps in their paper Bibles. Look at it. Now notice this. Why would Jesus specify Samaria? Because it was segregated. The Bible makes it clear that Jews and Samaritans didn't mingle. Remember when Jesus went to the well? The Samaritan woman was there. It was confusing. They were like, well, what's happening? Why is Jesus, Jesus is a Jew. Why is he talking to the Samaritan woman? And then, and then the Samaritan woman is befuddled because then he, he, he gives her a word of wisdom and knows all about her life and history and all this stuff. And he says, I'll give you water that lasts forever. I'll give you everlasting, everlasting water. And so what do we know? We know that we cannot forget the segregated ones. We cannot forget the ones that seem on the, the outside, that seem like, like, who's going to reach them? Like, this is what I'm telling you. This is why it's such a bad myth that we believe, well, somebody, somebody, well, who? Who? Do you know who? We have the responsibility and the, the, the prized uh, um, um, responsibility, the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the um, uh, Jesus gave us the command. Not just some of us. Think, no, that's for outgoing people. No, it's for all of us. Well, that's just for people who are real talkative. No, that's for all of us. Well, that's just, now, Pastor JT, man, I heard him get up there and he said, man, he could talk to a tree and get it to talk back. It's for people like that. that that's the people, because I just, I just can't talk. I don't care what your method is. And I don't think Jesus does. He exemplified a lot of different methods. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can very quickly understand all the disciples were different. Personality-wise, you got Peter, who's out there lopping ears off, pulling swords out and cutting people, and then a second, a few minutes later, denying Jesus Christ, and then a few weeks later, he's out there preaching and gets 3,000 people saved. Roller coaster. Up and down. Yo-yo, right? Then you got other people that, like, there's some of the disciples, you don't know anything about them. I, I, I would imagine those guys were kind of quiet. They, they were the non-vocal ones. We don't hear much about them. We don't hear much about what they did, or, or, but they were part of the 12. I, I wonder what their personalities were like. You, you can't get infatuated or caught up or, 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 or disturbed by your personality. You have to realize, here's what I want to tell you, okay? Let me just get to the, the meat of what I want to try to my best to communicate today. You and I, we have the greatest responsibility in the world to carry the torch of Jesus Christ and spread the good news with everybody that we can. And the thing that 
Jesus said in Acts 1, that if you'll wait in Jerusalem, you'll be endued with power from on high to be witnesses for me into all the other uttermost parts of the earth. That inside of you is the power to overcome any type of personality, any type of nuance that you have, any type of fear that you have about telling someone about Jesus. The Holy Spirit has, will, will give you, has given you, let me say it that way. The power is already there inside of you. You just need to tap into it. You, you can do it. Philippians 4 says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You, you can do it. You can witness to somebody. You know, I, I, as much as I love talking to people, there are times where I've talked myself out of witnessing to somebody. I'm like even embarrassed to say that. But it's the truth. I'm trying to be transparent today. I've, I've talked myself out of it. I've talked about like, like, you, like you feel you're at a, a, a coffee shop or whatever. And you, and you realize somebody, man, that person, you can just tell by the way they're carrying themselves, the way they're acting, they're not a Christian. And you feel, well, witness to them. And again, you get those thoughts. While I'm with my family, I'm trying to spend family time. What if it ruins that? What if they reject? What if they, what if they don't respond well? What if it turns into, you know, some in-depth? What if they ask me questions? This is a real thing. What if they ask me questions that I don't have answers to? What, what if? Let me, let me ask you. This is, this is what I want you to think. I, I'm really big on thinking Bible. That you think the way God thinks. That the mind of Christ be formed in you. I want you to flip it. Ready? What if I plant a seed in them and they actually get saved? What if they get saved right now? What if I start talking about Jesus and what Jesus has done for me and they weep because they've been waiting on somebody? I heard this statistic this week as I was preparing this and I meant to look it up and research it. So I, I, if this statistic is like a little bit off, I don't think it's that far off, but I heard it from a very reliable source. I just don't know what the, what the uh, um, um, research was. 90%, catch this, 90%, 90% of unsaved people will never enter a church. 90%. Now, I'm all for, we, we advertise, we, we, we do outreaches, we do all that kind of stuff. But you know the most powerful form of evangelism that you have is going out where the people are and evangelizing them. In the New Testament, there were primarily two methods of evangelism. There was mass evangelism, where they would do, like on the day of Pentecost, they preach the gospel, 3,000 people get saved. Then you have on, on uh, 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 Philip, was an evangelist. Philip went around, he would perform, uh, God would use him to perform miracles, and the people were drawn to that, and then droves of people would get saved, right? They would turn their lives over to Jesus Christ because it was happening out in the streets. But then there was also the second mode, second method is personal, one-on-one. One-on-one evangelism. One-on-one. I, I, I mean, uh, Peter jumps in the, in the, in the, in the chariot or whatever with the eunuch, 
and leads him one-on-one. He heard him reading scripture, and he went to him, and the, and the eunuch said, I don't understand what this means. And he says, hey, let me give the answer for you. Sometimes there are people that God puts in your life that you may not even have the answer yourself, but the Holy Spirit will use you to get an answer to them that they need and that can only come from God. And when you give them that answer, you are giving them something that God is trying to get to them, and he needs somebody to carry that answer and be the delivery person and deliver it. He needs you to be the delivery man. He needs you to get your, 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 the thing you have in you that I don't even know if some of us realize we have. But if you're saved, you have it in you. You think, I don't know the answers. I can't, I can't quote scriptures like, like I've heard people do. I can't uh, uh, do all that. Stop saying you can't. Philippians 4, that I started to quote a second ago, what does it say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe I need to grow a little bit, sure, but you're only going to grow if you start growing. I don't know if that makes sense, but you're only going to, like, like you, I, I'm coaching soccer right now with my kids. I'm coaching soccer. Five, four and five-year-olds, six and seven-year-olds. Some of them have never played. You could tell. And I'm like, hey, who's played soccer before? And they raised their hands. And I realized what they meant was, I played last night in the backyard with mommy. They have no idea. But you know what? By the end of the season, they'll know. You know why they'll know? Because they're out on the field. And they're trying. And they've got, in this analogy, a discipler who's discipling them and saying, no, no, no. When you, when you kick the ball, you put your foot here. And then you, this is how you pass the ball. You pass the ball with the inside of your foot. There you go, like that. No, 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 not like that. Come here, let's do it again. No, 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 not like that. Come here, let's do it again. And there are people in your life that only you can reach. Now, when I say that, that puts a lot of pressure on people, and I understand. And, and, and you might think, well, what if I, 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 I witness to them and then they don't get saved? You're not responsible for their salvation. You're responsible for telling them. You're responsible. If they deny Christ, if they never respond to it, then that's fine. But be able to lay your, down, your head down at night and say, man, God, put that person on my heart, and I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get rid of the fear. I'm going to get rid of the, the, you know, I'm thinking about right now in my heart, right now, everything that God did earlier, and he might have been in here worshiping, just enjoying the presence of God and not knowing what was that all about. Thinking, man, what was, I mean, it was nice. I enjoyed the presence of God, but I didn't really get anything. God didn't really speak to me. The seal didn't open up. But you were filled or refilled or topped off, however you want to word it, with the power you needed to take what I'm inspiring you to do by the word and go out this week and turn over a new leaf. I'm not going to be quiet about my salvation. I'm not going to be quiet about who's changed my life. I'm not going to be quiet about it. Now, I want to clarify something else. When I say that it's a myth that someone else will do it, you might say, well, well, what about bringing them to church? Like, is it bad to bring someone to church? I don't think so. But the reason that that works in our culture, let me clarify, that 90% of unsaved people, here's what I think happens. When you bring someone to church, Let's say you have witnessed to them and you have all, you've done all those things that I mentioned and you bring them to church. Maybe they do say the prayer of salvation here, 
and rededicate their life here. Okay? But you've made a, you've planted a seed out there that I couldn't plant. Does that make sense? You talked to them, prayed with them, uh, um, pleaded with them, whatever it is, out there. See, see the, the church can't just stay the church in here inside the four walls. We've got to be the church out there. And so bringing them to church is part of it. But I just want to ask you this. If they, if you, if you lead someone to Jesus and you're, I'm going to keep using the workplace because it's easy because everybody works in some way, shape or form. Even if your workplace, if you're a stay at home mom, you're working at home. All right. Whatever your workplace is, you got neighbors, you have coworkers, you have friends. Hopefully. All right. When you, when you witness to somebody, again, you think, okay, well, I go and I tell them about Jesus. I, I, or I, or I just like what actually, you know, let me back up. What is practically does that look like? You know, you don't have to just come up and say, Hey, do you know about Jesus? Like you can just walk up to somebody at your workplace and just say, Hey, I noticed you got those shoes on. Where'd you get them? I like those. Cool, man. You think what in the world does that have to do with salvation? Well, you're, you're, you're making a connection. You're planting seed. And then later you come up and you say, hey, I noticed that you seem a little down today. Can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? And then here's where, where, where we tend to go a little wonky is because then if they say, no, I'm good. And they put that wall up that they put up for years. Then you back off. But if God puts someone in your heart, keep going for it. Now. Then when you, when, you, when you actually get the wall broken down and they do open up to you and they start telling you, hey, you know what? I actually really do need you to pray for me. I really do. And they tell you what's going on in their life. Or maybe they don't tell you much. Something going on with my, my daughter. Okay, I'll pray for your daughter. Then you keep, you keep planting those seeds. You go back and you say, hey, I've been praying for your daughter. Don't leave it. Don't leave it. I've been praying for your daughter. And you just continue to nurture that thing until eventually there's life change you don't know where people are at but you can't put it off on well somebody will pray for them do it maybe they end up coming and telling you like like you so so let's keep going with the example and you just say hey i got our church is doing this thing this sunday and you can you invite them to church i think that's a great method of evangelism but it's not the only method if someone needs jesus right there i want to try to equip each and every person in here and we're going to do, we're, I, I want to try to use this time to equip everybody. I encourage you not to miss. Don't think, well, I know what this is about and I'm going to skip church a little bit. I would not because we want to try to put things in your hands, put, put tools in your hands so that you can lead someone to Jesus. You might not, what, what, if, what if they get in a car wreck between Wednesday when you talk to them and you invite them to church and Sunday and they don't make it to Sunday? There are moments where you know, man, I need to pray with you right now. You need to, to recommit to Jesus right now. Then there are other times where they, they do. They, they come to church and they get saved at church. Either method is great. The point is, tell someone. Tell somebody. Implore them. And plead with them. Like, don't assume. Obviously, I'm only going to get to my first myth today. We'll cover the other myths later. But don't assume that someone else is going to do it. Now, when they come, or, or what I was going to say was, is what if they say, well, hey, I went to uh, my Aunt Sue's church, and you won't believe what happened, man. There was an evangelist there, and I got saved. Well, praise God. 
it, it, I would love for that to, to come through Family Worship Center. I would love for them to be a part of what God's doing here. But this isn't, we aren't the only Holy Ghost church in Columbia or Florence or Georgetown or something, right? We're not the only one. We, we, we're, we're a great church. I believe, whole, I don't think, listen, I don't think I'd be a very good pastor if I didn't believe in what we're doing here. You know what I mean? Like, I believe what we're doing. I want you to invite people. I'm going to, uh, uh, we're, we're doing new invite cards and all kinds of things to try to put things in your hands to invite people to church because I believe the local church is the greatest tool that we have collectively as a believers to not only see people saved, but then disciple them. Notice what Jesus said. He didn't say just to get people saved, but to disciple them. But it starts with getting them saved. What I'm trying to put in you today, I know I've talked around a lot of different stuff. I got a lot in me. I'm trying to narrow it down here. Ready? What am I trying to tell you? If you put it off with somebody else, if you think, well, someone else will do it, you might miss the opportunity to make the invite, to witness to them, to actually lead them in the prayer of salvation, and they'll never actually become a disciple, which is what we're asked to do, until someone does that first step. And what a responsibility it is. It's not a responsibility we should be afraid of. It's not a responsibility we should be scared of. It's not a responsibility we should shun away from. It's not a responsibility that we should, man, we are Christ's body. We, we are his body. Like you are his hands and feet. What, uh, look at this um, um, in Acts, Acts uh, 7, 49 and 50. Heaven is my throne. This is uh, obviously a, a, a quote here. He says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that, asked the Lord. The Lord's saying this, could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? What is God saying here? Can you do anything better than what I've done? And then everything God did, he created the heavens and the earth and his ultimate dwelling place. You know what his ultimate dwelling place was? You know where the temple of the Lord is today on the earth? Right, right here. Like, you are the temple. Like, this is what I'm trying to put in you and inspire you. When you go in your workplace, you are not like every other person in there. When you go to a family reunion, and the, and the, the, the it goes sideways, I'll put it like that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't do family reunions, I... I just, I just skipped those. But I mean, I know. I know how it goes. All right. So listen, when it, when it goes sideways, you are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. The same power, the Bible says, is that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the same power dwells in you. You are different. You are set apart. You are called to be a light on a hill. Don't cover your light up. Be a light. Now, what that means a lot of times is we always, and I am, I'm going to sort of get into my second myth. The second myth is, oh, well, I can just be a light. I don't actually have to say anything. No, you actually have to say something. You, you actually have to say something. Being a light is good because that usually is the attraction point. You ever seen a mosquito or a fly or a gnat? They're drawn to the light. I'm not calling your friends gnats, but I kind of am in this analogy. But you know what I'm saying? There's a light. We're attracted to light. True story. If you want to know, some people are, are get bothered by why we dim the lights and all that stuff. The actual reason why we do that is your, your eyes are naturally drawn to the brightest point in the room. 
and then your eyes adjust to that brightest point and focus on it. And so it's not to highlight necessarily the people up here. It's just to draw an attention. It's just a, it's a, it's a natural mechanism to draw your focus. The world does it in a lot of other different places, the theaters and things like that. All right? The same way you are a light. You are a light. Point to yourself and say, I'm a light. You are a light. Here's what I want to encourage you with. You are a light, and you have the power to shine that light. To not just be a light only, but to let that light then pour into someone else. And you do that with your mouth. Look, look at this. i, I got to wrap up. You guys can come up and help me wrap up. Ready? So the second myth is we don't have to speak the gospel. We can just live it. John 12, 32 says this. Jesus said this. And I... If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. Jesus does the drawing. This is how you're saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That is, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes in the righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, you believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth, you're saved. Look at the NET of this same translation. I mean, same scripture. Different translation. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and thus has righteousness. And with the mouth, one confesses and thus has salvation. Here's what I want to ask you. If you have Someone that God's put in your life, and you, and you never express this, how would they know that's what they have to do? How would they know unless someone tells them? If you read Romans, he says that in here. Paul says, how can they have the word unless they've been preached? And how can they preach unless they've been sent? You might think, well, I'm not a preacher. He wasn't talking to preachers. He wasn't talking to pastors. He's talking to us. And we are all ministers of reconciliation, reconciling, reconciling those who are not with Christ to Christ. That, that's our job. That's who, that's who and what we are as the body. We're, we're Jesus Christ's hands and feet. We are the temple of the living God. And inside you, when you go into your workplace, don't go in. Don't go in anymore and just think all I'm here to do is just push the buttons or, or complete the task or whatever it is. No, everything you do, the Bible says, do as unto the Lord. And I'm telling you that we're going to have a church that's not just a, a great place to, 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 to come and get fed. Yes, it will be that. It's not just a great place with great music to worship God. Yes, it will be that. It's not just a great place with an awesome children's ministry where my kids get fed and they grow up. Yes, it will be that. But it'll be a place where we're all looking out, 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 out where the people are and saying, man, there's somebody else that I've got to tell. Maybe they come here, maybe they don't, but there's somebody else I got to tell. I hope they come here. I hope they get to experience what I'm experiencing, but you know what I ultimately want? I want to see them in heaven with me. I want to see them up in heaven. I want to see when I get there, I want to say, man, I mean, you know what a good feeling it is? to actually lead someone to Jesus and know that same life-giving thing you experience that you can't even hardly put into words, but somehow when you go to tell somebody, it just comes out and you say, God, it's just been so good to me. And you think, does this even make sense to them? And then all of a sudden the tears start flowing and you realize, man, 
I don't even know what I'm saying right now, but it's working. Because the Holy Spirit is trying to get out of you into them, and the only way he can do that is if you, is if you do it, is if you connect. And maybe, maybe it starts with a conversation, and you sense that wall go up. You think, well, I mean, they kind of shut me down. Don't stop. Go back. Go back again. Keep going. Keep praying for them, but don't just pray. If all you do is pray for them, they very well may end up in hell. You praying for them does not do what I just read on Romans 10. They cannot get saved just off of you praying for them. That's part of it. We have to do it. The Bible says that I pray at the end times for laborers. We have to do that. But if that's all we do, and we don't actually tell somebody, what are we doing? Go stand up. I think I'd be amiss if I didn't give everybody in here an opportunity to make things right with Jesus before we leave. What a great service we had. What a great service we've had. I promise I have a lot of notes and I promise this will get better as we go on. I was just trying to get across today the importance of we have a responsibility. But there's a lot more I want to get to. There's a lot of practical things I want to get to, a lot of just a lot of stuff that we want to try to do. And then we want to also do some, some outreaches that are going to uh, give you an opportunity to do just this. Amen? So just get ready. Get ready to tell someone. But right now, in this moment, this is your opportunity. If you're in this room and you say, I need Jesus. I need to make things right. I need to recommit my life. I need to rededicate my life. Here is 